Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. Today we'll be listening to a message from Pastor Brandon Sharp. You guys ready for El Shaddai? Good. We're kicking off this series this morning of what the Lord says about himself, who he says he is, and just what our response is to that and, and our encouragement and, and who the Lord who the Lord declares him to be over our lives. And so I picked El Shaddai because it's one of my favorite names of God. It's one that comes up as often as any in my prayers to him and our time together. And when I face things, one of my favorite, favorite declarations is, it's nothing to you, Father. You're the God who's more than enough. Right? And so kind of unknowing when we, were, when we were going through this and praying through it and picking out our different names, unknown to me was El Shaddai is one of the foundational names in scripture. And the way that I, the reason I say that is because <clears throat> here's a little bit of context, a little bit of history for you. First of all, we're gonna be real simple in definition this morning. El Shaddai means God Almighty, okay? It can mean overpowerer, God of thunders, God of the mountains. That root word shad in the Hebrew means breast. And so there's certainly imagery here of a nursing mother being everything that that young infant needs, right? All sufficient, all supply, unlimited. But we're gonna hang with almighty God. So some things that I didn't know that I think are interesting and they're a blessing is that the name Shaddai just by itself is in the Old Testament 41 times. 30 of those are in the book of Job alone. And so if you're looking for a cool study in Job, that could be it. But El Shaddai is only mentioned seven times. Five of those are in Genesis. One is in the beginning of Exodus, and one is in the 10th chapter of Ezekiel. So we're gonna kind of take a look and just walk through, do a survey this morning of the patriarchs because this is how the Lord made himself known to the fathers of our faith. Don't you love that? It's kind of foundational. The father in his infinite wisdom decided, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you need to know me this way before you know me so many other ways as God Almighty. And, and like I said, the, the Lord is very intent on encouraging us this morning. And so, and so I want us to just posture and position our hearts and what we're going through and what we're facing and the difficulties. There's so many difficult situations in the room. And what a mighty God we serve. Right? Right? So the Lord loves us enough to line all these things up just perfectly. Why don't you turn over to Exodus 6, and we'll start with that one. We'll start at the end, and then we'll kind of jump back to the beginning. Exodus 6, while you're, while you're going there, I'm going to mention 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4, and that talks about how God has already provided everything we need for a life and godliness through the knowledge of him, and he's given us great and precious, exceedingly great and precious promises so that by these we could become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the world, the corruption of the world through lust, right? And so as I was studying and, and kind of, it, it's been a bit of a wrestle with the Lord appropriately, right? We'll talk about Jacob too. It's been a bit of a wrestle with the Lord going through this. Um, one of the things that I, I discovered is how anchored 
the identity of God as El Shaddai is in the promises of God, right? I think those two are inseparable. And so, so I, I, I just want to put that thought in our heads and in our hearts this morning. These exceedingly great and precious promises that God has given so that we can become partakers of the divine nature. Are you in Exodus 6? Here we go. In one, the Lord said to Moses, <clears throat> now, let me give you, let me set this up just to touch real quick. Moses has already had the burning bush experience. He's already gone to the leaders of the children of Israel and said, I'm the deliverer, and they've rejected that idea, right? And then he's gone back again, and it's gone all the way up to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go, and Pharaoh has doubled down on the workload. So that's where we are, and now Moses is, is going back, hearing from the Lord, and, and it's, it's, it's a bit of a discouraging time. <clears throat> 6-1. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land too. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. That's Yahweh. Three, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. That's El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, Yahweh, I was not known to them. Isn't that a cool, isn't that a cool scripture? What a beautiful verse. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But they didn't know me as Lord. Yahweh, or in the Hebrew pronunciation, would have sounded like, Because they took the vowels out of it. This is the God we just sang to. So holy, his name was not to be pronounced. And so the spelling in Hebrew would have been Y-H-W-H. And literally, breath kind of brings a new dimension of the things that God breathes into from the very start, right? Into clay. And so, that's foundational to understand Another scripture I'll mention, we won't go there, right? This is going to be a survey, but I'll mention is in Hebrews 11, kind of right there toward the end a little bit. It mentions the patriarchs, and it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed his sons, Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed Joseph and his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And by faith, Joseph spoke of the departure from Egypt and gave instructions that his bones were to be carried up to the land of his people. But what's so important about this verse right here is the by faith that they had was faith in who they knew God to be. And that was El Shaddai, right? That's very important as we turn over to Genesis. So let's go over to 17. That's some context for you guys. You know how I love context. <clears throat> and in 17, verse 1, the Lord says this to Abram. <laughs> I had to make sure his name changed, hadn't he yet, y'all? To Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. 
And I want us to under I want us to understand some of us some of us will, some of us will completely, some of us will a little bit, some of us will more than others. So I just want to bring us up to speed a little bit. I told you guys that the declaration in the name of El Shaddai, and if you think about your life and you think about my life, when God's revealed himself to us in this way, we're just saying, you're always moving, Father. You never stop moving across the generations. You're the generational moving God. And when he encourages us in this way, probably you're going to find out it was tied to your promise. And that's the pattern that we see in the book of Genesis. So that promise is given in Genesis 12. Now, fun fact, an important note, I think, in Genesis 12, at the end of 11, it was his father, Terah, who brought them out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, or Chaldeans, right? And so God had spoken that word, leave, get out, and he spoke it to Abram's father, which is interesting. But they only went as far as Haran, and then that's where Terah died, and that is where the Lord comes to us, comes to Abram in, in Genesis 12 and says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, okay? All of that is important. This is where God gave the promise. Now, we'll see this promise all the way through the book, and it's amazing. Why is that so important? God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many in the room need to be reminded of his promise? Right? We need El Shaddai to say, this is who I am. I'm almighty. I'm the all-sufficient one. I never change. This is my promise. Steady your heart right here. Yeah? And this is what he does. And so 75, Abram, leave this land. Leave your family. Come to a land that I'll show you. Now, Haran, a little bit of geography. Haran is up above where Israel is in Jerusalem, right? It's at, the, it's at the, above the top of the country. So they're traveling all the way down through the country. Now, one of the things I want to highlight here is Abram leaves. He leaves with all their possessions. He leaves with his family. He's 75 years old. And in verse 10, of chapter 12, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. El Shaddai. He arrived in the middle of a famine, y'all. Is God's timing broken? Right? That's not very encouraging. That doesn't, that doesn't shout his... His sufficiency does it, Marcus, right? So there's a famine going on in the land, and, 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 and we're not going to go through it all, but I would really encourage this read, because what you'll find out is Abraham goes, and he ends up and in, in, in a place beside a terebinth tree, and the Lord appears to him, and guess what the Lord does? He repeats the promise. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to multiply you. I'm giving this land to you. And so, and so he does that, and Abraham sets up an, off, an altar, and he prays. Why do we pray, right? We love the Lord, but we're also seeking answers, and we need wisdom, and we need God to move. 
and he prays, guess what? Crickets. At least as far as what's recorded. There's no answer. He sets up an altar, he prays, and then he keeps on wandering around this land that God's called him to and given him. And there's a famine. So he goes all the way through the land, all the way down to Egypt, because the famine in the land of Israel, in the land where the Canaanites dwell. By the way, there's other people on my land that you've given me, Lord. And he goes all the way down, and then he goes all the way back up to where he started. Another altar, more prayers, more crickets. Tough, y'all, right? Why, Brandon? Why? Why do you go into all this detail? How many of us are there? And the Lord's given us with incredible detail, if we'll take the time to search it out, right? You and I, incredible detail to say, here you are, El Shaddai, making your promise right in the middle of difficulty, right in the middle of inconvenience, right in the middle of lack, right in the middle of I don't have clarity and I'm praying prayers and answers aren't coming. And when it looks pretty bleak, you keep on showing up and declaring your promise. Seven, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I'll give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord (laughs) who had appeared to him. And so you have this, he's going through the land and then you have disputes between him and Lot that, that he brought along and, and they both can't dwell in the land and he's having to say, Lot, you take your pick of the land. And guess what? It's playing into the Lord's plan for Abram. It always does. But there's, there's turmoil, right? It's, it's difficult. And so Lot takes his piece, Abram takes his piece. And then look in 14, 13, 14, the promise. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. Look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width for I give it to you, right? And then what's after that? More difficulty, more turmoil, more challenge. Lot and his family overcome by four kings taken captive, Now, we don't have anything about Abram's military background or training or whatever, but Abram, endowed by God Almighty himself, tracks down those four kings and their armies and routes them and plunders them. Great victory, right? What do you have to go through to get victory? Battle. Right? And it's all here, gang. And I want to encourage us. I want to encourage me. I want to encourage you to not be discouraged that God is not El Shaddai just because you're going through a fight, just because you're going through a battle, just because you're in a tough time. And we've got it in Abram. We've got it in Isaac. We've got it in Jacob all the way through. These, these, are, these are not mutually exclusive Right, Richard, you just said it to me. As long as it's easy, he's God Almighty. It's hard, he's not. No, 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 no. That's not what we see in our fathers, the fathers of our faith, who modeled it for us, who God was declaring himself, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai to you. This is how you know me. 
And so there's this incredible victory. And then you have this amazing, mysterious, beautiful experience with Melchizedek. That same God who shows up and says, blessed be Abraham and blessed be creator God of heaven and earth who gave you this victory, right? And Abram, not because somebody was beating him over the head, y'all, said a tenth of everything I have I give to you. That would be where the tithe started. Free will, out of the heart, driven by love, not law. Let me say that again because I'm so passionate about it. That's where the tithe started. Free will, driven by love, not law. Right? And so we see that, and he, he rescues Lot, and he goes through this, and then you get to 15, and by this time, how old was Abram when we started? 75. He'll be 99 in a few years, Nyla. Right? 75. <laughs> I love family. Nine, right? Now you got me saying 99. 75. Now, in Genesis 15, the Lord shows up, and, and he's, he's wanting to talk about the covenant. He's wanting to talk about the promise. Guess what, y'all? Abram's kind of discouraged. He's a little irritable, right? He says some things to the Lord that we haven't heard him say before. Sounds like this, 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord, that is, never mind. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. Why do you tell someone to not be afraid? Thank you, Lord. You see the humanity? Can you see the struggle? Right? You're okay. It's okay. Don't be afraid. He's God Almighty. But also don't be condemned because you're afraid. always with us in our weakness church don't be afraid abram i'm your shield your exceedingly great reward shouldn't abram's response be oh thank you lord i received that if the lord showed up and said that to you to me let's be real abram said lord what will you give me seeing i go childless and the heir of my house is eliezer of damascus pretty honest, right? We can be honest with the Lord. He sees right through us anyway. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. If it wasn't honest before, it is now. Listen, it might be a stretch for me to say, I don't wanna, I don't wanna throw shade on scripture but it almost sounds like to me, I don't really want to talk about your promise, Father. I'm kind of tired of hearing about it. You give me no offspring. My servant is my heir. Put your money where your mouth is, maybe a little bit. Listen, I'm just having fun right there. But it's what he says. It's spoken from an honest place, a discouraged place, a I'm tired of waiting place, somewhat of a frustrated place. Right? You're telling me this, what you're saying and what I'm seeing don't line up. Two different things. Can we be honest there? Okay, good. So, (laughs) four, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look, now toward heaven. Count the stars, if you were able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. 
another fun fact, right? It's not scripture, so put it on a shelf. But if you read some, some Hebrew and Jewish tradition, some would say this is a vision, right? Some would say God brought Abram out and took him through the stars rather than just look at the pretty night sky. So I don't know. We'll find out one day. But this is what the Lord says, six. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now we love that one, right? Because it's all over our New Testament. Abram believed the Lord. The Lord spoke, Abram believed the Lord. Yes, he did. Look at the next verse. I love the honesty. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. Eight, and he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? <laughs> Refreshing, right? He believed God, and he still asked a question. Lord, I believe you. How shall I know? How shall I really know? And God in his mercy says, bring me a heifer, goats, a couple birds, whatever he says. And he makes a covenant with Abram. Now what's beautiful, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but what's beautiful is, is in that culture when covenant when two people come together and make a covenant, particularly covenant heads, they would sever these animals. They would walk through the middle of it, signifying to the one who breaks this covenant, let this same thing be happen. Let their body be separated, right? Abram goes into a deep sleep, and one like a smoking oven and a burning torch, who is it? Christ, absolutely. Walks through the middle of that, he walks through for himself, and he walks through for Abram. He fulfills both sides, right? Both parties of the covenant. What a beautiful picture of the cross. He did it all. We did nothing, right? So you have that covenant, and now we get to the generations in 13. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. It's gotta speak to us. Abram, I'm giving this land to you. I'm giving it to your descendants. And know certainly they'll inherit it in 400 years. Come on, y'all. Take some of the promises that are a little more personal to you and imagine the Lord saying, it's yours, kiddo, in 400 years. Four generations from now, this will come to pass. This is our God. This is El Shaddai. Right? And part of the encouragement, but also part of the toughening up that the people of God need, yours truly included, is to understand you're a generational God. And your promises are generational. It's not all about me. Right? But, but I do want to live a life that takes hold of this promise because this is how we know him as El Shaddai. Like a bulldog, we grab hold of that promise and say, I ain't letting go. Five years, 10 years, 50 years, 200 years, I don't care. What I know is you're God and you promised 
and yes. I'm holding you to it. Absolutely. He loves it, right? He loves it. And what we'll see, I'm about to start moving here. What we'll see is sometimes he comes and says, I'm El Shaddai, this is my promise. And sometimes they come to him and say, you promised. And he loves it. He finds pleasure in it, right? There's an entitled, there's a wrong tone. Like when my son comes to me and reminds me of my promises, there could be a tone on it that I'm like, you're dreaming. But when the heart's right, Oh, you're right. I did. And I'm a man of my word. Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters, right? So that's 15. And the Lord says, we're going to do it. 400 years. (laughs) And also the nation that they serve, I'll judge afterward. They'll come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, as for you, Abram, You shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Who in this room knows anything about the iniquity of the Amorites? Me neither. I did once upon a time, but I've long forgotten. This is El Shaddai. This is our God. The iniquity of the Amorites was on his radar big time. On Abraham's? Probably not. On yours and mine? Hmm. Generations, y'all. Right? Generations, Brandon. Large scope. National plan. Global plan. Right? And somehow he meets us in such a personal place. And somehow he values our individual stories and struggles to such a great degree. Nevertheless, generations and global. Why, Lulo? Because God so loved his son. God so loved the world. You preach that. I remember that. And it beat down narcissism in me. Jesus died for you but he died for the world, right? This is our God. This is El Shaddai. So Abram hears, obviously we're not gonna make it through Genesis today, gang, right? Listen, Abram hears from your own body. Not one of your heirs. The blessing's coming through your son. And so when his wife comes to him, I think Abram and Sarai get a bad rap because it fits in line with the word, Right? Now, maybe they, were, maybe they were a little ready, but how long have they been waiting at this point? We're about to read it. Abram was 86 when Isaac was either conceived or born. I don't remember which one, right? You have to go back and read it. 86. What's the math on it, y'all? 11 years. 11 years. They've been waiting. 11 years they've been hearing. I'm going to bless, Abram. I'm going to give you the land. Multiply your descendants. And it comes to a head right here in 15. What have you given me? What will you give me? An heir? A servant? And my, no, your, your, your son. Your son, but not till 400 years. Not till I've dealt with the Amorites. So when Sarai says, here's my maid. 
God's restrained me. Here's the language. God's restrained me from having children. Here's my maid. Take her. I'll raise her child on my knees. And you go, you go, ah, Abram, you got to, it's so easy, y'all. We get to read it in hindsight. We get to read it in retrospect. We're so judgmental sometimes. But man, for him, all right, Lord, you said it's my son and Sarah, she's not having kids, so one plus one equals two? I guess a maid's a good idea. I want to honor my wife and listen to her, right? I've learned that in the last decade of my marriage, listening to my wife, it's a good idea. Come on, men. Here's my maid. Have a son by her. And he does. And guess what happens as soon as he does? Come on. Talk to me. Uh, You know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's, That's funny, Wallace. All right, three. Right? So Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, cover your ears, kids, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, that is, when Sarah saw that Hagar had conceived, Hagar became despised in Sarah's, or Sarai, if I'm being correct, in her eyes. Why? It confirmed. It confirmed. The problem's not with Abram. Sarai, it's with you, right? That's, that's more hard. That's more life. That's more, that's, more, that's more process. It's more difficult. Interesting thought here, gang. The fathers of our faith, every one of them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob went through a famine. Every one of them had a bride who was barren. This is, this is our God. This is El Shaddai. And he moved in power and he delivered with a strong hand and his prosperity and his rescue and his provision was amazing. True to his name through such a process. So as soon as Abram listens to his wife and that whole scene happens, she became despised. Listen to this in five Goodness gracious. Then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. (laughs) Sounds like our marriages. I gave my maid into your embrace. and and, And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. That's serious language right there. The Lord judged between you and me. And Abram says, she's your maid. Do what you want with her. Send her away. Pregnant. And she's out there in the wilderness. Ready to watch her baby. Ready to die. Baby's still in the womb. Ready to die. And the Lord asked her this question, and I feel like this is a question for you and I today. Hagar, where do you come from? Where are you going? 
And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. She didn't answer the other question. Hagar, where have you come from? Where are you going? See, a part of our struggle when times get really hard and it really looks like God's not who said he is, is we just run. We just flee. And God says to us, where have you come from? And where are you going? And so many times, like Hagar, we don't have an answer. We don't know where we're going. We have no vision. We have no word from the Lord. We're just running. And that's what she said. I'm fleeing. All I know is I'm fleeing. All I know is it's not there. It's got to be somewhere else. With that crazy woman, it's not there. I'm out of here, baby. She's gone. And you know what the angel, who is Christ, says to her? Go back and submit yourself. There's a child in that womb. I'm going to bless him and make him a mighty nation. Now, the reason I say we give Abram a hard time is because don't you think when Hagar went back into that household she probably told Abram about that visitation from God. Hey, you know what God said when I was running and I thought it was over and your wife had gone crazy on me? You know what God said? God said he's gonna bless this baby, your son, in my womb and make him a mighty nation. It's no surprise. I know I'm using a little bit of common sense and logic to, to get there, right? That's not written in the black and white pages of scripture. It's just common sense. So set it on a shelf. We'll find out one day. But it's no surprise why when the Lord shows up in Genesis 17 and says, Abram, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And he reestablishes his promise and he reaffirms his promise that the whole time Abram's thinking, Ishmael, Ishmael, Ishmael. And Ishmael's 13 years old at this point in time. See, it's not a cruel God who makes Abram wait 10 years in the first place and then lets him believe something that's a very partial picture for the next 13. It's El Shaddai. And he is God Almighty. And he is all sufficient. And what I love about the story of Abram and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. I could preach for four hours today, I promise. What I love, what I love about the story, the faith of our fathers They were anchored in the promise. God showed up and said, I'm El Shaddai. This is my promise. And they anchored in deep right there. They may have missed it. They may have, they may have tried to add to it a little bit like we do. They may have tried to help God a little bit like we do. 
right? So when the Lord shows up and says, Abram, you're not going to be Abram anymore. You're going to be Abraham. There's that breath. There's that Yahweh breath. That doesn't rock him. What rocks him is when the Lord says, and Sarai, she's not going to be Sarai anymore. She's going to be Sarah. You're no longer just an exalted father. You're going to be the father of nations. And Sarai is no longer just your princess. She's going to be the mother of nations. And Abram's response is, oh, Lord, that Ishmael might live before you. Just let Ishmael live before you. I'm 99. My wife's 100. We're basically dead. And it says, Abram fell on his face and laughed. Listen, don't the promises of God, of El Shaddai in his process, bring us to the place so often where sometimes we're frustrated, we're confused a lot. Sometimes we're fatigued. And sometimes the idea just gets so ridiculous to us, it's laughable. Isn't it ironic, Tori, that the Lord changed Abram's name and changed Jacob's name, left Isaac's name alone? We need it. We need it. We need to understand we're not broken. When the plans of the Lord and the timing of God seem so far out, it makes us laugh. There's part 1A of the message. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. So they make this covenant of circumcision. And a year later, Isaac's born. We find that. You started playing. You can play, Wallace. It's pretty. I like it. He, Isaac's born in 21. And, and, and I'll finish right here, gang. In 22. Abram? Abraham? Take your son and go to the land in Moriah that I'm going to show you. And take him up to a mountain that I'll show you and sacrifice him there. Let's read it. One chapter later, gang, he waited 24 years for his promise. And he got to enjoy his boy for 14. And then, and then, and then El Shaddai Take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Gosh, rub it in, Lord. Your only son, Isaac. Whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abram rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, (laughs) 
and he split the wood. <laughs> it's a good thing I know the story because I can't read, right? For the burnt offering. And it rose and went to the place which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, you stay here with the donkey and the lad and I. We're going to go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. of a plan and a structure this morning, but I figured the Lord was probably going to wreck it, so that's okay. I think the word for us, and it's amazing, listen, for your study, Genesis 17, he's El Shaddai, 28, he's El Shaddai, 35, he's El Shaddai, 43, he's El Shaddai, 48, he's El Shaddai. The stories in Abram and Isaac and Jacob are amazing. But I think the walking out for me is this. The fathers of our faith knew him as El Shaddai because they were anchored in the promise. They endured the process and they enjoyed the prosperity. It's all three, gang. Promise, process, prosperity. And for me, the thing that ties it all together, both in the scriptures and in my own life, right? In my marriage, that was almost over a decade ago when we moved out here. The thing that ties it all together is the promise. I know who you are. I know what this looks like, and I know the mess I've made, and I know how messy people are, but I know who you are, and I know what you promised. So I stand right there, and I order my steps right there in this process, in this famine, in this barrenness, in this war. And our fathers and Abram tied his son to a stack of wood, raised a knife over his long-awaited child and was ready to cut him because he believed the promise just that much. Hebrews says he did it, and he did it by faith, but he also did it believing God would raise him from the dead. And he received him back figuratively just that same way. Why could he have faith that God would raise him from the dead? Because I'm El Shaddai and I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna multiply you. I'm gonna give you this land. It's not gonna be your heir. It's not gonna be that son that you did your best with. It's gonna be Isaac. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. All he had was a promise for love. That's it. 
a promise. I want to be that. I want to live like that. I want to love like that. I want to lead like that. Father, it's enough. We worship you, God. We honor your presence today. We honor your name today. We honor you as God Almighty, El Shaddai. The all-sufficient God, the one lacking nothing, the one whose resources and supply never run dry. The one whose plan never fails. Father, I pray that we would be encouraged today, God, as you encouraged us, as we worshiped you in song. I pray that we would be encouraged in your word, Father. The situations that I know seem heavy and so many I'm, I'm completely unaware of. And we hold them up to you, almighty God, and say, we know the promise maker. We know the promise keeper. What you start, you're faithful to finish. So Father, we steady ourselves in you, in the revelation of God Almighty today, in what we're facing, Father. I pray that it would come up in our hearts and minds and in our prayers often, and that God, we would allow you steadily to declare your name over us, to speak your promise over us, but that we would also be faithful in this, bringing your promise back to you and saying, I know, I heard right here. I was with you right here. I encountered you right here. I set up a pillar right here. I know what you said to me right here, unfailing God. And we would be a people that believe your promise enough to live life in a way that some would call Reckless. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.